everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Driven by Cause with David Blyer and yours truly, Jay Fisk. This is the show where we find out what drives some of the brightest minds in the nonprofit industry. I'd like to take a minute, however, before we get started, to give out a quick shout out to our fantastic sponsors, Arriva and MaestroSoft. All right, without further ado, let's get right into it. I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Mr. David Blyer. How are you doing today, David? Jay, great to hear you and great to be back. I love being here. Thank you. Well, it is great to uh, be doing this once again. And uh, I think we ought to get right into it. I'd like to introduce our fantastic guest. You know, to give you a little background, I've known her for several years. It's my opinion, no one knows more about the nonprofit world, what's going on quite like her. She has an amazing history in this industry, an even more amazing story currently working with Le Bonner Children's Medical Center. Uh, so please join me in welcoming Liz Salton. Thanks so much for being here today. Liz, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Well, we're thrilled to have you here as well, Liz. And I know David and I would like to uh, let the audience get to know you just a little bit. So let's start off by just asking you, what is your position with Le Bonner Children's Medical Center? And tell us a little bit about the work you do there. So I'm, my title is Donor Services Technology Specialist. So we're a very small team that supports two larger teams in everything that they do. So for myself personally, I sort of am the go-to person for anything that's online coming into the foundation and obviously all of the um, software applications that we can utilize for fundraising online and at events you know uh, the nonprofit world is a is different from you know, other other uh, occupations and everybody's why is a little bit different what led you into the nonprofit space I just happened to be in the need of a position and I was in the right place at the right time to fall into an administrative assistant position as I was assisting and helping all of the other departments and individuals from you know the major gift officers to the the event coordinators to the back-end services like I'm in now. Thinking back, was there anyone in your family that, you know, maybe subliminally encouraged you or was there something specific that happened to you that got you interested, you know, maybe in the nonprofit space, but like in an organization like where you're at today? So interestingly enough, the being in the right place at the right time to actually start working in the nonprofit industry was a blessing in disguise in, in that regard, because several years after starting with Lamonor, I actually had a family member, my grandson, who was born with a lot of um, challenges and special needs. And so it was great that I was in a position working for a children's hospital and having gotten very knowledgeable about the care and um, services they could provide. So when we knew what we were anticipating with Caden, that we knew that we had a good place to provide us care. You, you sort of happened in, into uh, the the position, but uh, now that you're in inside and you're knowledgeable, uh, if you have some of our younger listeners listening and, and uh, they're thinking about maybe they want to get into into the nonprofit space and, and follow a similar path, what sort of tips might you give them that might help them? Find the cause that is that really touches them or means something to them, because obviously you want to support a cause that you're emotionally attached to. Search out volunteer opportunities. Mm -hmm. 
get to know the organization before you know saying I want to work there because once you're there that may not be the fit for you but as a volunteer you're really going to be able to see some of the ins and outs of the organization and get a really good feel for it. Good advice. Yeah, Liz, that's really wonderful, which really leads me to something really important. The nonprofit industry, as we all know, is very different, you know, and we're really helping people out there, you know, in, in many different ways, whether you're a donor, a volunteer, a staff member, how has working in this industry changed you? I think how I view others so that you're not afraid to go out and, and introduce your cause to an individual and you think, oh, they're going to just be turned off because I'm talking to them about wanting money and stuff. So I think it just expanded my horizon of knowing that, you know, I can talk about things that are interesting to me and that I'm wanting to support and hopefully open the eyes to others to want to do the same. Do you ever find it hard to disconnect from your work once you get home? I mean, it can be pretty personal, obviously, especially in your case. Physically, yes, I can. I can leave my office and I'm good with it mentally or emotionally, I would say that I'm like always attached to it and always thinking about it, um, dreaming about it at times. And a lot of times it comes to me in my dreams. So I, I don't necessarily disconnect totally, but I certainly can to the point that I can enjoy life outside the office. Liz, you know, you've done a lot of fundraising for your organization, which is amazing. And from your experience, what advice or tips could you give to the audience about how to be successful and what you would actually avoid? So from just the personal standpoint of the work that I've done, starting again at ground zero and moving through various positions, I would say to be successful at the work, you really do need to be focused. You need to be organized. But pre-planning is, is a must. You, you have to be able to know what the end result is, your goal is, but you have to work through the steps to get there. You have to engage the rest of the, the team that you work with, forerunners of the fundraising, so your event coordinators and your major gift officers. They really have to communicate to the back end so that we're prepared and ready for any of the fundraising activities that they're going to do. You know, you know, just to add on to that subject, Liz, you know, a, a lot of organizations have, you know, all different types of boards out there. And, you know, some are active, some are not as active, you know, especially when you have fundraising. How do you get your board to participate in fundraising and what do you ask them to accomplish for you or the organization? We sort of just present them with um, areas of, of our ma major focus that we're wanting to fundraise with and ask them to be our champions. So it can be a pick and choose on their part as to what area of the hospital, children's hospital or the adult side that they wanna devote their, their focus to and their efforts to. Um, and pretty much that's, you know, we introduce it so that it's not just agenda driven, but conversational and interactive in the meetings so that we can be very encouraging to them to want to support the cause. I mean, they're on the board. It should be a given, right? Yeah. 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 No, thank you. I, I know that's not always an easy task, but you're, you're doing a wonderful thing. If there was one thing you would like to change in the nonprofit industry, what would that be? 
you know, we spend a lot of money to raise money. And so if, if there was a way to work around how much it costs to raise a dollar would probably be the ultimate change to make. Are, are you are you saying that you, you, the industry standards, the, the net to gross standards and things that AFP and others uh, sort of set on it uh, are too restrictive or not restrictive enough or? When I've gone to other events or gone to AFP meetings and discussed how and, and heard even how much they spend to raise the dollar. Mm -hmm. I mean, when people, especially when it comes to a, a gala or a special event, you know, people want to attend, they expect some grandeur right. to that $15,000 table they're purchasing. You know, in order to provide that, it, it takes money. So it's coming yeah. out of the money yeah. or for the cause. It's sort of like the old adage, you can't save your way to prosperity. You sort of have to spend money, make money. You've had a chance to work with children. I know this is a cause near and dear to you. Uh, how has that been in general? Have you found that challenging? Have you found it rewarding? Uh, it is sometimes too emotional for you, not emotional enough. Tell us a little insight there. So all of what you just said is, is a yes to that. In the past, when I was an event coordinator, I actually did our radiothons. So I was interviewing the families and it just so happened to also coincide with the time that I found out about my grandson and what his diagnosis was oh, going oh. prior yeah. to being born. So I... It truthfully was an emotional, crazy wreck trying to do these inter interviews and hold it together and hearing these stories that one were very challenging for these families, as well as very uplifting. A family that can go through so much and ultimately losing a child yeah. can still be so inspiring and uplifting in their own right. It's very moving and very touching. And brings a lot of smiles and really feel goods. But then when, you know, you see tributes coming through online and you recognize a name, you're, you know, yeah, yeah. A bit, so. thank you for sharing that. Can you identify thinking back to your career now, um, a, a learning moment that was like sort of an aha moment or a real strong learning moment or moments. Don't try to go anything alone. You, you need to have, your your team be invested in what you're doing to move forward to make it successful so you know you can do things but i wouldn't suggest trying to go it alone so when you get up in the morning what inspires you each and every morning is there one thing that really inspires you that you could share with the audience i guess i would just have to narrow that down to to my grandson i mean he lives with me and he wakes up with a smile on his face and he goes through his day, he's in a wheelchair, he has to be moved, he has to be fed. I mean, he, he has, has movement, but he doesn't have ability to focus those movements in order to take care of himself. I think that's, you know, inspiring to see an individual who is happy, who responds to, to the love that I show him every morning with you know, just, just these wonderful big smiles and crazy, crazy laughter that he's making it through every day. If he can do that, I can do this. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. That is inspirational. Thank you for sharing that. And it, it, he sounds like a wonderful grandson. So that's, you are blessed. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much for that. Wow. 
you know, I, I, you know, just still on the, you know, it, it sounds like you are constantly staying busy. I don't know when you have free time, but I'm curious when you're not working, you know, what are you doing that special that you like to do? Gardening. I'm, I've got seeds growing everywhere in my house right now, waiting for the last day of frost so that I can put them out in the yard. We've talked a lot about your work, Liz. What's something that our audience might be surprised to learn about you? It has nothing to do with the work that I do. Um, I am a aspiring writer. I hope, hopefully, one day sooner than not to um, publish a children's book or multiple children's books. So I don't know how surprising that is, but that's that's my ultimate goal in life. Well, it's been it's been great talking to you this morning, Liz. And one of the things that we always like to end our interviews with is by asking what question didn't we ask you that you wish we had asked you? The question of where do you see yourself, you know, in five, 10, 10 years? I see myself here, though, to answer that question um, until that day comes. And I then see myself still staying involved and, and wanting to be very part of the Methodist Lamonter Healthcare family, just because of what it's been to me for the last 15 years and hopefully next seven to 10 years. Um, but I guess that would be, that would be it. Well, we thank you very much for your time today, Liz. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back with uh, more Driven by Cause right after these messages. We are a team that has had an enduring influence on the nonprofit industry for more than three decades. We pride ourselves on developing and delivering technology with a purpose, software born of a genuine understanding and passion for cause. We are relentlessly dedicated to our client success. We are with our clients for good. We are Ariva, tech with purpose, driven by cause. Ariva is the trusted advisor and market leader of fundraising, donor relationship management, and auction software and services. Exceed further, our evolutionary all-in-one digital fundraising and donor relationship management software is helping nonprofits worldwide further their mission, transform fundraising, and cultivate relationships with donors and constituents. Our Maestro Auction virtual, live, and silent auction software, text-to-bid, virtual and mobile bidding software, and text-to-fund, text-based donation software are helping nonprofits raise billions of dollars through thousands of virtual fundraising events, charity auctions, and galas. Visit Ariva.com and reach out today and see how Ariva can help your nonprofit organization go further. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back. So the next part of our show, we're going to hear from you, the audience. I know this is highly anticipated. Jay, don't leave them waiting on it any longer. Tell them what time it is. Well, David, it's time for Ask the Maestro. And this is where you, the audience, get to ask me, the maestro, anything you want to know. The first question comes from Laura, and she writes in saying, Hi, Jay and David. Greetings from the Windy City of Chicago. I love listening to your show, especially because I'm organizing my nonprofit annual gala this year. I wanted to ask about any ideas you may have for different activities we could do during the event. We usually have an auction, but I want to add something unique and fun into the mix. Any suggestions? Uh, well, yeah, uh, this is, uh, Laura, this is right up my alley because part of what I like to do is I like to share 
ways to make events unique. And so one of the things that I, I try and get my clients to understand is that your audience is sort of like a pyramid. There's people at the top of the pyramid that have a lot of money, but they don't need anything. And there are people at the bottom of the pyramid that don't have a lot of money and they're happy for anything you can do for them. And in between is where your audience is for your, for your bid activity. So you need to have something that appeals to the people at the top and something that appeals to the people at the bottom and everywhere in between. So, of course, your live and silent auction, your live items, uh, you know, will appeal to the people more towards the top of the pyramid and your silent more towards people at the bottom in general terms. But you should throw in some games, throw in some fun stuff. For example, a wine wall kind of a thing or a wine spinner. Uh, I would avoid things that are games of skill. I would avoid things like ring tosses and things like that. It takes too much time and you don't get enough throughput of money. But something where it's a random draw of a number and you pull a, pull a, bottle, of wall, a bottle of wine off a wall, um, actually a, a, a spin the bottle kind of a thing where it spins the bottle and it points to a bottle, a random bottle, and they get that. So kind of a fun thing. As part of the live auction, uh, I've been incorporating something called uh, Let's Make a Deal, which is fun for the audience. We sell the first item, and then uh, as that everyone's applauding the, uh, the winner of, of that item, I point to a box on the stage that's decorated, and I say, unless you'd rather have what's in that box, and they have no idea what's in the box, but now they have a decision to make. They, do they take the item they just bought, or they take the item that's in the box? And then I reach in my pocket, pull out an envelope, and say, or you could have what's in my envelope. So again, it's just changing things up. It's getting people, keeping people entertained. So Jay, this question comes from Christine, and she writes in saying, Hey guys, Christine here. I'm well aware that thanking our donors is important. However, do you have any tips for thanking them in a unique way? We usually send a letter twice a year. I just would like something that stands out more. Maybe you have some ideas to help me. Love the show. Thanks in advance for your answer. So I think we could all share in that, but I would like to share from a donor's perspective. And, you know, I, I think we, we're all doing our good and we, we all are social good. And, and, and as a donor, I remember, um, and I'm not gonna, it, it was in education because it's one area that's passionate for me. And, and my family, my wife and I decided to, you know, give a pledge. I just remember the process that went through. The first one wrote me just a personal thank you. Um, and I only heard from them when that annual pledge came up. Um, mm. And that was the last time I ever heard from it, them. Yeah. The second one wrote me a thank you. And then every year on the anniversary of the pledge wrote me another thank you and then sent me the invoice. And the third one was very interesting. The third one wrote me a thank you. They called me and they said, David, we would like the president to meet with you and your family. I was like, wow, do I really need to do that, meet the president of this? But I said, wow, that was really nice. And every quarter, religiously, they all, th th this particular university did something every quarter. And every quarter, I remember the first time they invited me to a major event and I said, oh, maybe we should go. I wonder how much this is gonna cost me. And they made sure that they said, you're our guest. And we went. And then the next quarter, you're our guest. And it was a thank you for just being, they had us so engaged in, in the university yeah. that one year, um, and we pledged for five years. So they knew they were getting money every year. One year they were having, you know, it was sort of like COVID again, you know, and they needed to do an event. They didn't have enough money. They didn't sell the tables. We were at an event and they said, normally we'd never ask, 
you know, but, you know, we had, you know, 32 tables to sell. We only sold five. And, you know, we normally don't ask this, but would you guys help us? Would, would you buy a ticket? Would you maybe buy a table? Did you know everybody in that room took out, I mean, today I know we use Venmo, so maybe I'm aging myself, but, you know, everybody in that room took out their checkbook and bought a table. Why? Because yeah. yeah. they felt so engaged. That's right. And yeah. I, I think engagement isn't a one-time event. When a donor thinks about it and you're talking to a donor, uh, you could be asking, oh, by the way, when's your birthday? Or do you like a sporting event? And then you put it in your tasks and it's a reminder. And and yeah, it it may seem like it takes a lot of time, but it really doesn't. It's like scheduling any yeah. appointment. I think I would just, you know, follow what you said. The engagement element is is very important. I mean, on the back end, I do send out the pledge reminders and having had you made the statement about the first goal, I was like, you know, are, are there solicitors being more engaged than I am? But truthfully, I see the actions on on most of their sites, you know, their their records. So I think we do a really good job at, at that engagement. Um, a lot of times when we do have pledges that are larger amounts of money, we bundle in some elements to events that are coming up so they know they have a spot at those events without having to pay extra money. Well, look at the time. Those are great questions, great uh, great answers as well, David. And, and uh, Liz, thanks so much for your help. It looks like we are out of time for today, but uh, we'd like to answer more questions in the future. So keep submitting them. And uh, you can use uh, go to our website and do that or drop them in the comments section below. I'd like to thank you uh, for joining us on another segment of Ask the Maestro. Hey, thank you, Jay. I want to especially thank Liz. You're awesome, Liz. Your passion is just amazing and your insight and just for being here with us today. And I know our audience is going to love to hear, hear about what you're doing and how you're doing it. And it was a fabulous having you on this. Yeah, well, I appreciate the invitation and being able to, to chat with you and Jay. Thank you so much. So for our listeners, make sure you subscribe, like Jay said, stay up to date on all the new episodes and content. I also want to give a special thank you to our amazing sponsors, Ariva and Microsoft, who are dedicated to their mission, tech with purpose, driven by cause. We're so proud to be working with them on the show. And last, but certainly not least, thank you to all of our fantastic listeners. We hope you'll join us next time on Driven by Cause. Make it a great day.